This episode of the Devin Kershaw Show is brought to you by the Alberta World Cup cross-country event, which is taking place in the beautiful Canadian Rockies, March 20th to the 22nd. Not only can you see the best racers in the world battle it out to hoist those giant crystal globes and their beauties, let me tell you, not that I know, I don't have any, but I've seen them. But don't just sit on the stands and cheer on the athletes. There's so many amazing events that are going on around the town of Camor throughout the whole weekend of celebrations. Chandra Crawford's Fast and Female organization will be hosting its ever-popular Champ Chat for 100 girls on Saturday, March 21st. Another Olympic champion that just happens to live in paradise, Camor, Alberta, is Becky Scott, whose organization, Spirit North, will have so many amazing events. You can see powwow, dancing, drumming, and she'll be at the opening ceremonies. It's going to be a celebration not to be missed. Listen, Camor, Alberta is the absolute best town on planet Earth. Take it from me, one of the most biased people you will ever hear from. I love Camor. I live in Lillehammer. I miss Camor every day. If you like cross-country skiing and you want to see the best racers in the world, gun to tape, annihilate, hoist the globes, have fun, maybe have some free Gruyere cheese samples, all while taking in the amazing hospitality of Alberta and Camor itself, get your butts to the Alberta World Cup. You can find all the details at albertaworldcup.com. This is Jason Albert, and you are listening to the Devin Kershaw Show from Faster Skier. This is our post-stage two from the Ski Tour 2020 race wrap-up. Today's races were a... 15k classic pursuit for the men and a 10k classic pursuit for the women okay here's the episode i've been fighting this gnarly cold off and on for a week and i'm going to tell you why it's because i'm i'm not gonna race it okay i'm, I'm telling myself this i'm doing this i think i told you i'm doing this backcountry ski race yeah, exactly yeah 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 it's really hard for me to go do any like speed work interval work up at the mountain you know skiing just get you know life so I'm like, I'm going to do the Devin Kershaw prescription of the 10% running intervals on the treadmill. Nice. It's been awesome. Okay. Perfect. Nice. But it kicked my ass. I did a hard <laughs> week like a week ago. And this past week, I've been, I thought I was better and went for a ski on Friday and woke up yesterday. I don't know if you could tell from the audio, but no, I, like, I couldn't tell. Oh, dude, did not feel good. Okay. Good, good papa faking it. I like that. Oh, really? Okay, that's good. But today? No, no, no. Like for you, like when you, like dads, you just gotta, we just gotta Yeah, press you gotta on. dig. Right. Deep in my little handbag of courage, which is f- fairly shallow. Oh, for sure. Which is a little handbag Trust because me. let's be honest, dads have very small handbags. It's, it's the moms yeah, have dude. like, like quantum levels of like just there's universe after universe after universe matters existing totally. in so many different realms yes. and realities because the ba- the bag of reserves is so huge how's this for a better visual like my thimble of courage yeah that's good yeah i like it but you gotta i know what that thimble's like and it's it's t- you know it's puny people just don't understand yeah exactly okay well on the complete opposite side of the thimble of courage there were some stout performances there um, today in Östersund, Sweden, and let's um let's start with the guys' race if that works for you. Yeah, let's start with the guys' race. I, you know, Jason. Yeah. Do we stick? Do we stick a fork in skiing and men's skiing and call it done? Because, oh my, I, I'm 
don't know. It, while, while I while I enjoy Nordic skiing and I'm a dork and I like watching the races and the skiing is beautiful. It is a two country competition and the dominance is really starting to grate at me now. I mean, we need to call Alex and just say, dude, I know you haven't trained much and you're working full time right now. Like, just shut up. Get back in there. We need somebody well, to, to, okay. to compete. Right. Like, th- like this is this is just getting this is just getting silly. And the men's race to me, I'm just like seven seven regions again, all up at the top like that. I feel like I'm watching a, a the, their national championship, and they invite a few Russians along as well. Uh, that said, it is beautiful skiing. Paul won today. Great win by Paul. He skied amazingly well. He's been having the best season of his career. Great to see that. Uh, Bolshinov is just right in there. I mean, like, what a beast, eh? Bolshinov was a beast today. Yeah. I mean, uh, he, like you say, I mean, he's... Uh, it's right. I mean, you're, you're sitting here sort of when you're, when you observe it, right. And you see the individual performances. I have to be honest, like I don't necessarily fixate on like what country an athlete is from other than, Good like, for you. Yeah. well, I'm, I'm saying while I'm watching it, right. Because it's not like, no, no. Cause you're enthralled with the performances. They are great. It's great skiing. It's great skiing. Exactly. No, yeah. And right. you don't have, they, they don't necessarily have like a, a big massive flag, but then you look here at like live timing. So that's where I'm looking at live timing right yeah. now where they have the little, you know, country flag next to the name. And you're right. It does become very stark. So let's like, let's give some shout outs here. Finland, Niskanen ninth. Yeah. Solid. Which is good. Okay. Colonia 10th, Switzerland. He had a great day today. Yep. Especially in classic. Cause he has been struggling with his ankle and his calf for many, many years. And in classic, he's actually skipped a lot of classic races as recently as Lillehammer. Still dealing with an injury and, and didn't even race the pursuit in Lillehammer earlier in the season because he was his classic skiing was just feeling not good with his injuries. And uh, today, yeah, for sure, he, he, he hit back well. It was a great day for Colonia. Go on. Okay. Uh, and then we have, yeah, we have Ferger, F- Ferger, Roman, Roman Ferger from Ferger. Switzerland. Ferger, yeah, like Berger. Uh, in thirteenth, yeah. another dude from Switzerland, uh, and it was a great classic race yep. for him as well. I must say, and I mean Andrew Young keeping it real for Great Britain in eighteenth, totally stud, totally. It's been a great start yep. to the tour for him, big time stud, and two sprints coming up. So he, it's a dream start for Young from Great um, Britain. I'm, I'm going to continue to add. Jens Berman, Swede, twenty nineteenth. Okay. Garbage, yeah. Continue. He's better than that. Okay. <laughs> Francisco De Fabiani, 22nd, Italy. Same, same. De Fabiani is a better skier than this. He's a better classic skier. He's a great classic skier when he's on form. And Italy really needs De Fabiani to put on his big boy pants and start competing at the top again because this the sport of cross country skiing needs this. <laughs> I mean, uh, it, it's great that he's back in the points. It's great that he's back in the points. But I mean, De Fabiani should be a medal contender, especially in a fifteen k classic pursuit like this. Okay, France, another one. Gaillard at twenty fourth, and then Th- here, that's, yeah, go ahead. that's that's that, that's impressive purely because like you leave the walker at the start line. You know that doesn't get filmed on TV. You know he's. Uh, you know, he has to go to bed right after that competition because when you're that old, you go to sleep at like he? 5.30. He is f- almost 40. He's born in 1980. Dude. 
So he's in his 40th year and he's still competing. What's amazing about that is like we talked about. Good for him. A big time good for him. I'm just joking. Gaillard's a good friend of mine. Yeah, yeah. Gaillard's a good friend of mine. And that, that competition that he did in Nova Mesto that we, we sang praises for him to be top five mm-hmm. in his 40th year. Uh, he's still able to compete at a high level and scoring points again today is great, but uh, France needs other guys to step up as well, which they did yesterday in this 15th skate. So nice to see Gaillard in the points today, though. Absolutely. He's uh, he's an ageless wonder. Uh, do you, I, I think maybe, you know, maybe take some notes. There's time for you still. Okay. No, no, I am so done. Oh my God. I am fattened out. I'll tell you that. I doubt that. Okay, we're going to get, we're going to come back to the number 25 in a second. He's from Norway. Uh, Poo, I, I, you pronounce this gentleman's name from Kazakhstan, 26th. Yeah, I, I can't get excited with Kazakhstan purely because the doping situation, Polterinen. I know, me neither. I know. I what know. a piece of shit. So if that's okay, hard. So we're gonna, <laughs> okay, but we got a guy from Kazakhstan on 26th. We yeah, got, but it's true. It's another, it's another country. True. I'll yeah, I'm just you. going, I'm just trying to play it real here. Uh, Richardson, Sweden, 27th. Czech, Another Novak. Another ageless wonder. Yep. Novak, 28th from the Czech Republic. Paris, 29th from France. Yeah, tough day. Tough day for him in classic. And today. then we're not even going to mention the 30th skier because he's from Russia. Doesn't count. <laughs> okay. So not much diversity, and you're right. The top end of the race is, is oh, popular. Just... Yeah. It's populated by Norway and Russia. Oh, in the men's field... Oh, for sure. And the men's field is just, just saturated with Russia and Norway. And, you know, I I just see, I see some stuff on uh, social media, which I shouldn't because I deleted all those apps off my phone, which has been so amazing, by the way. But um, I still have them on the old laptop. So talk about really, really like faking it. But I saw some pictures of the German team, you know, having a good time. They're in Oberstdorf doing whatever the hell they're doing there instead of racing on the World Cup. And, you know, it's great you're smiling, Germany, but uh, the World Cup really needs you to do a good job and strike back because we need some more countries up there. We do. And, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It's just, even though it is beautiful skiing, Nianga, we got to give the shout out to Nianga. First podium ever for him in the World Cup. Third place today. Um, That's really great to see. Uh, Finn Hagen Crow, second classic race of the season. Uh, at a higher level he's done some stuff up in Ulta but um on a higher level it's only a second classic race and and he skied beautifully well uh, he skied amazingly well today as well to to stay right in there hung in there tough but uh seriously man I just uh, it breaks my heart I don't I don't know I sound like I sound like just that grumpy old man on on his porch going like get off my lawn but that that like not necessarily i mean like the the bottom line is is that it it is a product and the product and we've talked about this like way back in december like it's got to be viable and part of that the model like it isn't it's not a trade team model it's a national team model and therefore to me at least it is important that fists you know present something that's um exciting exciting from people for people who are outside of Norway and Russia, at least when they're watching. Or, or crazy Nordorks like us and the people listening to this podcast, because we can always find things that are exciting to about the races. Sure. And like like I'm saying, like you and I have talked off air a lot about just how great technically these guys are. They're just at such a high level. It is a thing of beauty to see. But, you know, it, let's let's uh, contrast it a little bit. So uh, World Championships are in mm-hmm. Antolts for Bathlon yeah. right now. And that women's pursuit today... 
was just such a great winter sport to watch yeah. on TV. Yeah. I mean, you had two huge stars coming into the last standing shooting together. Doro, the hometown favorite, and um, Marta Olsbu. And Olsbu, sorry, uh, Riceland. Yep. And, you know, one miss, one miss too many for, for Marta. She's out. The hometown hero takes the gold. And then you have the ex-cross-country skier, Denise Herman, hunting down Marta taking her at the line you had um susan dunkley who was just amazing for her silver medal and talk about yeah let's get to her in a little bit in a, in a and second. talk about and talk about like she's like a meme in norway for how much she came undone after the last shooting like she was so stiff did you see that like she could barely make it finish when she came in second oh god yeah but she came in second so it was yeah. great and then today meltdown in the range sure. like total sure. meltdown in the range on the last shooting to miss five so i know biathlon has shooting i know that but they also have fans and they also have diversity at the top which is in part because of the shooting and when i go from seeing that to this ski tour especially the men's race maybe i'm just tired or something but i'm just like okay i've seen i know the norwegians are good we know that we know they're good but today was just another epic beatdown and I'm going through the back catalog. That's why I'm saying I'm like that old man on my front porch, like saying, get off my lawn. Like I'm going back through the catalog. And it's like when I was racing, yeah, it was quite a few years ago, but still like that long you had way you had, but you had way more diversity at the top. And before me, you had way more diversity at the top. And yes, back in Bjorn Dolly's era, it was also Norwegian dominance, but I feel like never has the dominance of Norway been as stark as it has been this season in the men's field and especially with only two countries competing in the top 10 essentially plus evo um week in week out yeah that's crazy plus evo you're right in the top 17 yeah yeah in the top 17 today but i'm just saying in the in the season it's evo and colonia that are the yeah Oh, and, and, and sorry. And Ferger, Ferger, as in Berger. Yeah. Ferger and Ferger, but, but still, but still, I, I just think like the men's racing, uh, oh, come on, please. God world, do some good training, work on your technique and more, most importantly, believe let's get some belief back. Like, just, just, just believe you can do it. Cause, cause it's been done decade after decade and we, we can get back to a more diverse top 15. Can we say, I'm going to go back to the technique thing in about uh, two minutes. I want to bring up a couple things. One is, let's talk about that crash in the men's race. Did you see that? Oh my God, Rastelli. Oh yeah. Speaking of memes, it's China, like just coming in hot, like coming in so hot and just take that and rewind it back. Like that was a nasty crash. He, did he finish? Oh, I think he finished, right? Rastelli finished. Uh, yeah. It was it was incredible. It was an incredible, just an incredible takedown yeah. by the Chinese athlete to take out Rastelli right at the knees. Like, oh my god, oh my god! He did a full flip. Uh, that that gave some excitement. There, there was you go. Excitement. There's some excitement. In okay, the so there was that. Let's go back I, I, again. Sort of an it's a non sequitur. I just want to celebrate for another minute. Susan Dunkley, just killing it, and I love that she has this aptitude. For I know people would be like this guy is all over the place. So I'm going back to like I think Thursdays uh, or or Friday the Friday sprint. morning. Friday. Yeah, it was Friday morning seven point five k World Championship uh, biathlon sprint. We're into biathlon for a second, but an yeah. American was second, so we have to give it a bit of airtime. Yeah, she just us. 
she just has this aptitude to to be very present and mindful, which I know is sort of the the wiring for a athlete, and the awareness to take her time to like bleed just a little bit extra time on the range and make sure she's shooting clean and keep herself in it. And then she just, as you mentioned, that last, I watched it again this morning. I watched. Oh, I watched it yesterday again. Like I was, you are not going to see blowups like that very often. Yeah. I mean, she barely made it to the finish line. She could not stand up. She couldn't stand. she, She barely made it to the finish line. That is a bonk of epic proportion. Like, yeah, but you got to give it to her. She went deep and she went for gold. Like really, you know, when you hear coaches say like, you just got to give, you just got to give everything. And you're like, yeah, yeah. Oh God, we've heard this so many times. Like Susan Dunkley, 2020 sprint. She, she can finish and be like, you know what? First of all, you're celebrating a silver medal, of world championships, great performance, but also you can yeah. look back and see the footy and say like, you know what? There was nothing else in the tank. Like, I emptied the tank totally. Like we ran yeah. out of steam. We ran out of gas. And I just kind of hobbled to the finish line. No, amazing performance by Susan. That's great for the US Bathlon squad. Uh start the championship off with a with a medal like that, individual medal. Like, wow, what a what a great performance. Okay, I'm gonna jump over to the women's side here. Um, I wanna pick up on technique because it's just something I, I I think about, right? And and you see it as like, you know, junior skiers develop and then obviously it manifests on the World Cup, but you get athletes that are uh, like, okay, well, they're a really good skater or they're a great classic skier. And there are some that, and many of them that, that pull are very, very elite at both techniques. Here's an example. Okay. I'm the, I'm going to pull up I just want the women's women's side today. And we're going to get to sort of the sharp end of the race, but I want to ask this question. Cause I think, I know listeners like to hear you kind of talk about technique and stuff. Haga. Okay. I'm throwing that out there. Haga, what comes to mind when you think of technique? I think skating when she's in shape, it can be good. I mean, I, you know what the hard thing is for me with Haga? Ragnar, like the Olympics, her Olympic performance in the 10K skate, that's burnt into my psyche. She killed it. No, not just killed it on yeah. the results page. Like she, yeah, she crushed. I mean, when you're beating Marit Bjergen by over 20 seconds, that's just an incredible performance, of course. But her stability through her core, and and the lightness she had climbing in Pyeongchang, it, it's just burnt into my into my psyche. And now she just hasn't found that 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 fluidity, that rhythm that she had in Pyeongchang. And that's a high bar to, to be compared with, right? <laughs> because I mean sure. I mean, maybe maybe she'll never get back to that that level of of uh, mastery, but even if you don't, who cares? You're an Olympic champion uh in the individual race so i mean what a race but you know she, that, that i when i think of hog guy that's that's what i come back to that 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 10k performance skate performance is great on the classic side of things uh, she's very mechanical in classic and while she's trying to work on it and she's been trying to work on it for many many years she just doesn't have that fluidity in in classic that she does in skate when she's in shape and and then you can see some of the athletes especially on the the women's side. I mean, like Terezio Hug. I mean, yeah, of course, we all hold her up as like the, on a pedestal, but she has to be. I mean, her technique is amazing in, in classic now, especially when she's relaxed enough like she was today with so much time ahead of her. She skied beautifully today. And the Ingveld, you know how much I think highly of Ingveld, Ingveld Flukstad Osberg's technique. I mean, she's, she's great in classic and in skate. She was skiing beautifully today as well. 
And uh, those two really, I mean, like, I mean, that's a really low hanging fruit, I know, but um, I bring up Haga. Well, and I think you have described yourself. It's like, oh, yeah, classic. I preferred classic. That was my jam. I mean, correct? Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. I love classic. I mean, I mean, I get made fun of all the time because I I have three World Cup wins and they're all in skating. But classic is definitely classic is definitely my stronger technique. And I, I enjoy classic skiing a lot more than I enjoy skating. I mean, my coaches probably hate to hear me say that now, but I do. I just love this. I love classic. Classics. Great. It's like a good old man's passion anyway. Okay. Oh, totally. So, but but oh, I yeah. just, I bring up the Haga thing. Cause like watching her today, she like visibly looked strained. And, and I was thinking like, what's that like to be an athlete at this level, right? Where it's, it's, when you think of, there are two macro fundamentals in the sport. There's skating and there's classic. I mean, is that okay to, oh, yeah. to break it down like that? Okay. Oh, for sure. Let's break it down totally broad like that. And you struggle. And you know, again, she's an elite skater, so I'm qualifying this, but she struggles in roughly 50% of the discipline. You know, when you talk about race formats. Yeah, yeah. But she, I would say she's very uneven because she also has podiums in classic, but I agree with you it's uh she has struggled and i think what you see with haga when she's having a tougher day there's a big caveat today conditions especially for the women's race today were very difficult uh, austrian sure. had horrendous sure. conditions today it was hard for the athletes um but rain than for snow. the women yeah snow it started and then it switched to snow and for the women it was just kind of a mess um but haga you, you, she doesn't have that stability that that's that that stability needed to just hit her kick every single time and as soon as the conditions get challenging you see your shoulders come up you you see you're trying to like straighten up straighten up but in doing so her foot gets a little too far ahead of her and then her weight gets a little back she's a little late with her kick and that makes it harder and then what do you do to compensate your shoulders come up a bit to stabilize yourself and then after some kilometers that just costs a lot of energy and you start getting tired and then it just gets exasperated and it's a kind of uh you get into this like technique death spiral where it doesn't get better it only gets worse as you get more tired and um that's a bit what was happening with haga today and that and like you said it, it is good that you, i mean it's it is interesting you mentioned that i mean haga has had a lot of classic races where that's happened and it is strange when she's the Olympic champion in a 10k skate and and she is a very stable and beautiful skate skier and can be that in classic as well but like you said very all over the place and you never know what haga is going to show up in a classic race and uh no it's a good observation well i don't I, and i bring it up not to like give her a beat down because I have to be oh, honest. We love like, Ragnall's amazing. She's yeah, she was like one of sitting in the press conference in Pyeongchang and listening to her. I, I felt like, and very much like Bjorgen, like at least from my perception, like very humble. Oh, I don't so know humble. her background. She's very, no, she is very humble down to earth so humble. and down to earth and very approachable and just the sweetest person. And not only that, like hardworking professional Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's no question. Yeah. And so like, that's why I bring it up. It's like, God, that must be so fascinating to be at this level. Like you're a top 10 skier in the world. And in half the races, you're like, you could blow apart because it's not your discipline. Oh, for sure. You for sure. I mean? And especially, anyway. and especially when the conditions get, especially when the conditions get dicey and that's hard. I mean, I was the, that was me in skating. I mean, if I woke up in a skate race and it was like hard pack, perfectly groomed, I'm like, perfect. That's great. If I woke up and it was 30 centimeters of snow and garbage and deep and I'm like, oh my God, 
like you start off on the wrong side of the bed and then you're using so much energy to try and focus like it's okay focus on your technique focus on your routine but but that that fear of failure just it's hard to keep that at bay when you have really challenging conditions and you you're not confident in your technique and uh, that's probably what happened to Haga a little bit today and yeah I, I feel for I mean like you said it's it's tough especially in these tour formats to to have a bad day like that I mean it's uh oof. It, it's okay so um just to kind of recap for folks today, it was stage two of the ski tour 2020, uh, second stage in Austersen, Sweden. The men raced a 15 K classic pursuit, the women, uh, a 10 K classic pursuit and, you know, Johog killed it time trial off the front. Um, I'm kind of curious, like what, how would you describe the conditions? I mean, to me, it'll look like it was kind of drizzly clearing up a little bit and then definitely fat snowflakes, on race time. Yeah, that's a good that's a good description. And it was, it was just it was that, it was it was cluster for the men. Oh, I think. And then, and then and then it Go ahead. and then it just started then it just started dumping snow. And yeah, like and then it stopped again. I mean, it was just a total mess. I mean, I don't I don't have total control on what everyone had under yeah. the skis for the women's I race. I think like I spoke but, to Matt Wickham uh, this morning and I want to say he mentioned they stuck with Clister in the women's race. All the women, all the women stuck with well, Clister. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what he referenced. Or the American women anyways. Um, yeah. Okay. So the race unfolded, like we just mentioned, Yohog started with like a 45 second lead lead. She built that up and gained, uh, some time and won by 57 yeah, just seconds. Over 10 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Heidi Vang, Osberg, Anderson for second, third, and fourth. Um, I thought they did a great job of like pacing perfectly just to keep any would be people from behind, which, you know, due to conditions probably wouldn't have happened, but for, for gapping up, they did a great job. Um, and someone who I was like, she just looks like a killer out there was Rosie Brennan. I mean, she ended up in 10th overall today. She started in bib nine, but there were a few moments uh, on the race course where I thought, okay, she and Carlson, they're going to pull away. They're going to do it. And, you know, the group would kind of come back and they would only pull away by, you know, a few meters or so. But she just had this like uncanny look of determination today. I don't know if that caught your eye at all. No, it did. It did catch my eye as well. I mean, I thought Rosie had another great race today and... And like you said, that that's how you improve. That's how you get better. I mean, you know, Frida Carlson, you mentioned as well, had a really tough day yesterday. And today you could see the determination on her face as well, like her and Rosie, especially in that group there. They were really fighting hard and they wanted it. And you, that was that was plain to see for everyone. And Rosie had another really solid race. I mean, these are two really solid races. I mean, your top 10, two days in a row. These are great performances. And like you said, that killer instinct that Rosie had, that's going to serve her well as this tour gets going. Um, okay. So anything else we should touch on? Yeah, for the women? I think, yeah, for the women, you know what? Catherine Stewart Jones from Canada yeah. had a really disappointing, had a really disappointing uh, skate race yesterday. And today fought back hard, almost getting herself back into the points. She was 32nd today. And I, but I from, think... Yeah, she was thirty. She had the ninth. She had, she had the ninth fastest time. We're not going to get into the time thing because yeah, it's so funny because I wrote that sentence into my draft and I thought, oh, um, I'm going to write that sentence. I'm writing that specifically for Devin. Yeah, well, and that's going to get under my skin. No, but <laughs> no, but honestly, it showed she had a great race. But in the pursuit, I really don't care what your time of the day is, because like you know, because here's the thing: 
Teresa didn't have the fast. Lampage had the fastest time of the day for the women. That's true. Like, no, Lampage did not beat Terezio Hug because Lampage was in a completely different race than Terezio Hug. Skied in tracks. In a, in, in, yeah, exactly. And in a pursuit, the name of the game is the first person to cross the finish line wins the race. So if you have the fact, like, you, you never know how it's playing out. I mean, things get tactical out there. You know what I mean? Especially with groups, especially with groups. You know, like you mentioned that Heidi Ingveld and Ebba Anderson were working pretty well together, but not every group out there is working well together. Because as you get deeper into the field, people start thinking about positioning and then they're like, you know what, I could work hard to keep the pace up or I'm a better sprinter than the five other girls around me. So how about they just do the work and I would sprint them to come 21st or whatever, you know? And so, but, but that said, it was a breakthrough performance from Catherine. I also think it was so phenomenally cool and awesome to see her fight back through the field like she did. 30 seconds, she's knocking on the door. The points are coming. This is really great, like we talked about, for the Canadian women's team, especially in distance racing. If you have enough, it's kind of like, it's kind of one of those things, like an old hockey coach would say, like, you, you take shots on goal. Like, just get shots on goal. And if you're 30 second, 30 second, 35th, 36th, it's going to go in one of these days. And once it goes in, that could be the floodgates that opens the confidence to be in the points week in, week out, and then you can build off that. And then all of a sudden you're fighting for the top 20 and you're fighting for the top 15 and it's a process. So Catherine, amazing race today. Really impressed with that. Haley as well. Can we talk about that? Oh, 36 yeah. moved up the field immensely, like amazingly well. I know I made a call yesterday that two of those three women would be in the top three, 30, sorry, top, not top three, hell no, the top 30. Uh, and Haley was the only one to, to capitalize on that. But what a great ski by her as well, which I thought was fantastic. And Julia Kern, um, she was in the same boat. She was in the same boat as, um, as Catherine. So like, I mean, in horrendous conditions and starting way back there with all those people around her and people to chase and, you know, but still moved up from 50th a really terrible skate race for Julia and what a great classic race today to move up so many spots. So she was skiing well today and that bodes well for a couple sprints coming down the stretch here. So that was nice to see as well. Cause you know, she would have been disappointed with the race yesterday. All right. Stage two is over. Uh, it sounds like they spend a night in Ostersund and then head out tomorrow, uh, for a series, a order up here. The next, yeah, Aura and stage three is a it's a skate sprint. Yeah, I have that right. Stage stage three is skate sprint, but it's kind of funky. Yeah, that's the funky one that we were talking about yesterday on the pod. With uh, it's a normal skate sprint like any other ones, except for the last three hundred meters is twenty eight percent grade up an alpine ski hill. So it's kind of like Alp Tremise, but mini <laughs> to end a sprint on, and it's just going to be really interesting. I mean. Let's see how Teresa does. Is this is this finally a sprint that Teresa can make the final? It could be, you know, maybe it's a little uh, condition yeah, dependent, yeah. but it's three hundred meters is a long way to go if it's twenty eight percent grade. It's not twenty eight percent grade the entire last three hundred meters, but still, it's a big climb to finish that uh, sprint stage. So it will be interesting to see. Um, you know, they're trying some new things for this tour, like we've talked about, which is cool, and hopefully, it can build some excitement. What is good too, especially on the men's side of things. At least the sprints is a little deeper. You know what I mean? The men's distance skiing is just a snooze fest. But the, but in the sprint, it is a little deeper. Let's hope the Swedes can get back on track and have at least one good race um, in their home country in this ski tour. Um, and there's a lot of great Swedish sprinters that are in this thing that could uh, could have a good day. Um, and 
you know, the French are always good in sprints. You have Pellegrino. We saw his intentions with that with that wild attack yesterday to pick up those sprint points at the 2.6 kilometer mark. So I'm hoping for an exciting, I'm hoping for an exciting uh, skate sprint. And then Claybo, you know, Claybo. Yeah, let's talk about him. Actually went back to, yeah, Claybo went back to Trondheim today right after the race to go see the doctor about his finger. So it's obviously bothering him quite a, quite a bit. And I mean, he's also not used to being back in the twenties and he was outside of the points yesterday. So not only is he dealing with a broken finger, but he's also his confidence obviously is not where it has been ever in his whole career. So he's going through a bit of a tough period here. Let's see if he comes to the start in order, if he's just going to call it and try and heal his finger completely so he can have some great races in Minnesota and Quebec later in the season. But we'll, we'll have to follow that closely. That's a bit too bad because it would have been fun to have some sort of a fight for the overall, but Barring something insanely weird happening, I mean, Bolshinov, look at him today, right. too. I mean, he looks so right. solid again. I mean, it looks like, like I said, first, well, I mean, no Russian. The last time, quote-unquote, Russian won the overall, it was Soviet Union. So, no Russian Federation skier for men has ever won the overall World Cup globe. And Bolshinov is poised to pull this off at the ripe old age of 23. Like, this is, this will be huge in that country, and yes, there is a lot of doping <laughs> clouds hanging over Russia. I mean, I don't know if you've been again following Bathon. We're jumping around a little bit, but man, oh man! Yeah, I mean, he—they're going to take away the—they're going to take away the gold medal from Sochi yeah. at Russia's. Score. The gold medal, the gold medal, exactly. The gold medal from Sochi in the relay is gone. Um, it's a men's relay. Okay. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, it was—it was, and I, it's interesting because his name is. I think I'm pronounced. Yeah, it's Sergei Ustigov. Ustigov. It, but it's a different it's one. Yeah, yeah right. exactly. Not the same one. Not the same one. And when it yeah. came across my news feed, I kind of I was like, oh, I think they spelled his name wrong. And I'm looking, I'm googling for like Ustigov getting busted. No. Yeah. 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 No, wrong Ustigov. But uh, so the athletes, uh, the Russian athletes, lose a gold medal from from Sochi, and um, but but there was a lot of outspoken athletes, and especially there was outspoken athletes from Norway. Terje Bo, the Norwegian athlete, was very outspoken after he came fourth in the men's sprint competition. Martin Furcad always outspoken, especially against the Russians when it comes to doping. Um, you know, he's tr okay, <laughs> he tried to say that it wasn't a big deal, but he, not a big deal. He was trying to, to be no comment, tried to play the no comment card this time around. But you could you could tell he was not happy that Loganov, who got busted for EPO, was the world sprint champion in, in the bathlon in uh, Antolz, Italy, for the world championships there. So it's not often you see that kind of reaction in, in coming out of bigger teams. And that's interesting to see. Okay, but I want... Let Let's take a, just a step back um, on that, just so people are, are with us. So Sergey Ustigov, not the one we know from cross-country skiing, <coughs> had been busted for EPO uh, in the 2014 Sochi Olympics. He was on the men's relay team for Russia. They won gold. That looks to be they're going to take away that medal. Then a different thread that you you jumped into here is that, is that the current IBU World Championships going on right now, a Russian won the the sprint competition on yeah loganov so loganov won and and let's get a little bit of backstory on loganov so why forcod and those gentlemen were so pissed yeah i'm there yeah yeah do, yeah do you know loganov's backstory though? yeah for sure they're pissed because he straight up got busted for epo and outside of the whole sochi disaster 
So, so and he's he's fairly recently back into the IBU circuit, and he has not been welcomed back to open arms uh, at all from the international community. And people have a right to be pissed off because, like I said, you don't trip and fall and accidentally get like slip a needle of EPO in your arm. Like that's with intention, and that's with intent, and with all the cloud of systematic doping with within Russia. I mean, that's really not up for debate anymore. I mean, Russia has been using systematic doping for a long, long time and as recently as those Sochi Olympics. And then a few years after that, when Loganov gets busted for, guess what, EPO, of course, athletes, especially athletes at the top end of the sport, like Teddy Ebo, who's been there for a long time from Norway, or Martin Fourcade, uh, the French superstar in biathlon, of course they're pissed. Because it's just kind of like we've seen this movie before, and and these guys have seen this movie before. I mean, you you see Teddy Ebo, like he was on that relay team, that Norwegian relay team in Sochi that came fourth, and now he gets a bronze medal in the mail six years later. And the day before, he gets beat in the um, in the sprint by, or the same day, he gets beat in the sprint by Loganov, who was busted for EPO not very long ago. And it's just it gets old, and it's but it is cool to see athletes speaking out and saying like this is not okay like it is not okay to use epo and i know there's another side to the argument where it's like well he served his ban and he's allowed to come back and that's true under the current rules as they are you're right that's what's sad about the current rules you can dope with epo with intention and then take your ban and come back and be able to race that's ridiculous. I mean, really, really, because what about what are the residual benefits of of EPO use? Like, who knows? I don't know. God, I'm. I mean, I can, I well, can, I can, I, I can extrapolate what what I think they would. Yeah, be. I think was it isn't the data like it goes down to the mitochondrial level and it affects you in the long term. Of course, it does. Exactly, and and that's uh, totally and. So these athletes are upset about that and they have every right to be. And I mean, sometimes when you hear some pushback with the Russian athletes and stuff, like of course in the, the World Cup circuit and cross country, jumping back towards cross country, which is what this podcast is about. Well, <laughs> that's true. Started going off on a tangent. But, uh, but you know, yes, yes, of course there are athletes on the World Cup circuit that that, that are frustrated with Russia and frustrated with the system. And, and while they don't want to point fingers at in, each individual athlete, like I've said multiple times on this podcast, um, you know, like Bolshinov's coach is one of the dirtiest right. coaches in cross country right. ski history. And, and not, and that's not rumor. That's not like he might be involved. Like he has had many, many athletes get busted for <laughs> guess what EPO use. So, um, people have a right to, to ask questions and be, and be cynical. And, um, you know, Bolshinov is, been outspoken and said that he's clean and the Russian Federation says says they're clean but you know it's it's hard to know in cross country in the sense when, when, when I keep saying it's hard to know it's like on the surface it's like no it's not hard to know I mean god fool me once fool me twice fool me like 26 times like okay who, who's the joke right. on here right. you know what I mean but every generation has to be innocent until proven guilty uh, sadly but it does not look good when you have staff that have been involved in doping widespread doping uh, still running teams. I mean, th that is just, that's, <laughs> that's idiotic. And if you're going to do that, if you're a Velbe or if you're the leadership in Russia and you, you want to keep hiring staff that have been involved in, in, in doping scandals, then guess what? Then it's your responsibility to have to answer to the critics every single day. 
because there are plenty of other coaches in Russia, uh, younger coaches, you would have to assume, I have no idea, but I would assume that that don't have the same history as uh, some of the older staff there that uh, have been involved with countless doping scandals that they could have taken a chance on and develop a new culture. And, and instead of doing that, they choose to go with the tried and true, quote unquote, success coaches that that have a very dark history. So it's if, if you're going to hire people like that, then it's up to the Russian Federation. They're going to have to keep answering those questions. And yes, I do feel a little bad for a guy like Bolshinov to answer those questions because you know he's 23. Yeah. <laughs> how old was he when? How old was he when uh, Lazutina was getting busted in 2002? You know what I mean? Like he was barely out of diapers. So in, in one sense, I feel bad for him with that. But uh, you know that, that that's when you have a history like that. The athletes and the staff are just going to have to answer those questions again and again and again. And jumping back to Bathlon. The pushback that Loganov got after his world championship win at the IBU World Championships a few days ago, those are questions he's just going to have to answer for the rest of his career because he knowingly took EPO, cheated, got busted, and now he's back. And of course, his competitors are pissed about it. Sure. And they should And then be. the other thing is, and we can close out with this, is that contextually, we all have to remind ourselves that like it's still being litigated currently, the Sochi affair and, and the Moscow lab, you know, all... Messing with the with the with the data, um, and yeah, yeah, and it's so a total mess. It's a total mess, but it just speaks to. I mean, again, I do. Sometimes I'm like, okay, I do feel bad for a 23 year old who has a, a questionable coach and a, who has a shitty history. But at the same time, you're it's contextually, all those federations are operating under an umbrella where at the highest levels of the nation, they got the green light to one, dope, to manipulate. And three, continue to manipulate the system and how it was adjudicated for four years after the Olympics. So, and I. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I keep. And, sorry, continue. In the back of my mind, I'm like, these are intelligent people, and Bolshinov has to know the situation he's operating under. And of course, he has to answer those questions because at the end of the day, you know, uh, he's wearing a Russian suit. And the Russians have proven that they're still working through how to mitigate one, the doping, and two, how to be clean. I mean, it's a work in progress. So I think he pre- he must know it's fair. Yeah, totally. Yeah, well, well, apparently. Yeah, no, no. Apparently, apparently, it is a work in progress. And I mean, you see some athletes that have trying to take a take a serious step to the side with that. I mean. Uh, Sergei Ustigov or, or um, people that train in his training group are training with Marcus Kramer, who, who is a German. And, you know, they, they have, they can look to say like, well, listen, I mean, I, I have a, I train in a different, uh, different training group and blah, 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 blah. So, you know, but, but at the same time, like you said, Bolshinov, whether he's dirty or not, we have to presume he you we have to we have to i know people get pissed at me but like you have to be innocent to proven guilty but but questions need to be asked of the russian federation continually especially on the leadership level if you are hiring people with not just a shady past but with a straight up <laughs> doping illegal scumbag past like <laughs> you know if you're going to hire the people like that on your staff then it's up to the valbes of the world uh, to answer the, to answer to those questions. I mean, just plain and simple. Okay, we're going to close it out with, how would you say scumbag in Norwegian? <laughs> you know what? I would probably say it's, it's, it, uh, I would probably say dritsek. Okay. Dritsek. 
And uh, that translates to shitbag. <laughs> Close enough. Okay. So, so scumbag is a definitely more PG-13 uh, take on that. But, but I'm only saying that, I, I mean, yeah, I'm hamming it up a little bit. But, of course, it breaks my heart. And, and you know, Bolshinov is skiing beautifully. His technique is phenomenal. Um, it's good for the sport in the sense that it's not just the Norwegian Championship. Let's be honest. And Bolshinov has been good for a long, long time. He works incredibly hard. And, you know, it, it's I can see why he's frustrated that when he's winning, everyone asks questions. And when Claybo dominates everything, no one asks a single question about Claybo's being clean or not because everyone assumes and everyone believes that Claybo is. So, I mean, it, it's fair for Bolshinov, especially if he is a clean athlete. Like, who's, who's to really know, right? But the system that comes on the heels of that for decades has proven to be dirty and that's why i mean it's 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 hard for these younger generation athletes to to quote unquote have to answer to these questions but the the fact of the reality is is they're going to have to until they until they clean house and really show uh, a willingness to to change their ways the athletes and the staff everyone in russia is going to have to answer questions sure okay on to tuesday on to Tuesday, back to the tour. Let's hope that we have some athletes uh, from other countries other than Russia and Norway contending in the sprint. I'm really hoping that they do. Thank God for the women's field. I find the women's field um, all season long, like we've been saying, has been more diverse up at the top. I'm looking forward to seeing the American women in the sprint really, really taking some names like they have all season long. So I'm wishing everybody luck and we'll be here following along. Okay, have a great evening in Norway and we'll chat Tuesday. Thanks a lot, Jason. Right. Take it See easy. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. And we'll be back on Tuesday after the stage three sprint.